Hi, and welcome to a belated episode of KC Caffeine. Uh, I am your host, Jason. Um, Blue and the rest of the gang are all out today, um, but I brought a very, very special guest. Uh, she is a close friend of mine, a confidant. She knows more about me than most people because when I don't have one, she is my doctor. <laughs> Dr. Bridget. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, we'll get there. Um, one of the one of the one reasons I wanted to bring you on um, is because uh, there's been a lot of health stuff with me happening lately. Um, I wanted to update the people, uh, and also I wanted to kind of have a discussion about healthcare in general, um, kind of the state of healthcare in 2018. Um, but first, what is, what's your, give me your LinkedIn profile. What is your, you know, what are your credentials? credentials. Well, I, uh, graduated college from William Jewell. So locally here, I went to medical school at Oklahoma State University, did my internship and residency at Tulsa Regional Hospital, also with Oklahoma State University in internal medicine and did a fellowship in infectious disease. So I'm board certified in internal medicine and infectious disease. Okay, so technically you're an internist, is that what they call it? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Um, one of the, like I wanted to say that one of the reasons is because there's some stuff happening with me and I think that you've kind of been, for lack of a better term, my doctor for a while. Um, not mm-hmm. in the sense that like, she's actually my primary care physician, but like if something's wrong, I'm like, Hey, Bridge, this is what's happening. Can you tell me what that is? First question, is that annoying? Because I feel like it would be annoying. Um, It depends on what's going on. If people want me to be their doctor without actually being their doctor, that can sometimes be annoying. I think you asked me more as a medical advisor, like, this is going on. What should I do now? Like, do I need to go see my primary care doctor? Do I need to go to the ER? What do I need to do? And that's. You know, I don't mind doing that because I want to help people. And, you know, sometimes people really don't truly know, especially if they've not been sick ever and all of a sudden something's happening. They're like, okay, where are the boundaries? Like, what's something I can wait on? What's something that needs to be done right now? What's, is this going to kill me? Do I need to go, like, call the ambulance? Like, what are the boundaries? And sometimes you don't know, so... I don't mind helping that. Yeah, I think that it's, for me, you know, and to kind of give, I have had heart issues before. um, Mm -hmm. And so here lately, I feel like everything has happened at one time. And it's, I'm sure there's a timeline to it all and it makes sense. Um, But I had surgery and then after the surgery, um, I had an unfortunate accident with some medication. uh, Is the best way to put it. It's funny. Um, ended up passing out. And since then, I've been kind of having chest pains and feeling dizzy <coughs> and didn't necessarily know what was going on. Um, I think we've kind of figured out that it's panic attacks uh, and anxiety. And, you know, so like I'm doing the medication and I one of the, 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 I've had to call Bridge on more than one occasion to be like, okay, something is wrong. <coughs> I mean, even over the course of the week. Here's the thing. Something is wrong. You know, tell me it's going to be okay. 
And normally you're really good about like, calm down. It's not like if it was, if it was serious, you know, the doctors would be, you know, would have called you in and all of these things. And it's, you know, for me, um, all that I know is that I'm not feeling okay. Right. And I don't know how to feel okay, you know? And so it's always good to have, I say everyone should have a friend who's a doctor. Um, because they will let you know when to and when to not freak out. Um, and then, like, there were things that you told me that I didn't, like, I didn't necessarily know. Um, you know, when I went for the first stuff, they gave me, they are like, you have high blood pressure. And I was like, okay. And they're like, here are pills. Okay. So, in my mind, it's have high blood pressure, take pills, no longer have high blood pressure. Like, it goes away. What I didn't know is that, like, no, that's, this is a process and so you monitor your blood pressure to make sure the blood pressure medication is working. And I didn't do any of that. So my blood pressure hasn't changed since, you know, then. And I didn't know that that was a thing that I need. I just assumed that it was fine. Right. And, you know, I'm wondering, I always wonder if like this, you know, this, the, you, you said, made a comment when we were talking the other day is, you know, is the anxiety caused by the chest pains or the chest pains caused by the anxiety? And I thought of that was something that was really interesting because it's like, it's a cycle. I feel like sometimes, like, you know, I have the chest pain and then it'll cause the anxiety, which will then cause the chest pains more. And it's like, I, I, it's the thing that's tough about it. I try to be as transparent as possible, which is one of the reasons why I want to talk about it. It's why we haven't been done an episode in as long as we have, because I just haven't been feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why when people right. who have been like where you know where have you been it's that's why I haven't been feeling good I haven't feeling been feeling up to it after the surgery I was in pain and didn't want to do I couldn't sit long enough to do an episode right. and then after that it just was seemed like it was one thing after another after another um, well and then there are a lot of topics that make you anxious or rage and you don't yeah, want to talk about it because you don't want I've imposed given myself a self imposed yes kind of ban moratorium on all political topics because I can't deal with it right now, although I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> um, Space Force. <laughs> like, yes. It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I was just like, I'm like, you mean to tell me that the week that I said, okay, until the medications or whatever is happening kicks in and I'm fine and I'm good, I'm not going to pay attention to politics, this is the week you decide you want to unveil the Space Force? Come on. Yes. This would have been perfect, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, it's, that's not, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, without we'll getting off topic. Not, like, let's, it's, I mean, we derail all the time, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So, a couple of questions that I have for you, you know, other than, is like, so what do you think the state of, healthcare is in like 2018 right now do you think it's getting better you know do you think it's getting worse that's that's very broad question um i think a lot of it depends of course i joke because infectious disease everybody always asks me questions they're like what's the rule on treating this and i'd say well a lot of it depends because it depends on the situation right. and where you find yourself. So, um, 
and politics will tie into this because politics is right married into healthcare, especially now. Right, especially now. So when the Affordable Care Act came out ten years ago, there actually was a lot of positive things that happened. I know people. It's one of those things where they're going to force you to do something. Really? Well, I'm not going to do it then. Right. <laughs> you know, people trench in and we're like, no, we're giving you a bunch of things. No, no, you're going to make me take these things. I don't want them. Right. And then they start getting those things and they're like, hey. I would li- I like these. These are pretty cool. Right. I want to keep all of these things. And now I feel like the government's like, yeah, we didn't like the guy who gave you all of those things, so we want to take it back. And then everyone's like, "No, I would like him. those things, please." And you're like, "No, no, I want, I want to keep my stuff." Like, right. it's fun. You could do whatever you want to do, take away whatever, but the yeah. things that I would like, I would like to yeah. keep. Like, keep saying all the things you want to do, just don't take it away from me. You can right. take it from other people, right? But not from me because yeah. I deserve. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's. I, I make the comment that, you know, I didn't care about healthcare when I was in my 20s because mm-hmm. I felt like I was invincible and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't important. You know, I was going to be fine. And now it's important, A, because these bills are coming in and good yes. Lord, they're expensive. You know, but it's all things that like if I had taken care of myself and done things earlier, you know, the right way earlier, I would have not may not have to deal with this stuff but it's also you know like i didn't know you don't know that these are things that like we don't talk about healthcare in the way that like are like preventative care right and i think that's i think the united states is playing catch up to a lot of other countries in preventative health care that was one thing the Affordable Care Act did some good in, is right. saying, hey, we need to pay for these preventative measures. You know, like women need to get their mammograms, they need to get their pap smears, prevent cervical cancer, catch these things early. So we're not catching it late and having to play catch up. We can catch it early right. and stop. You know, like diabetics, we have certain goals and we want to, you know, look at their feet every time they come into the office to make sure. If we see an ulcer on their foot, we catch it before we're having to amputate their foot foot, because it's so bad. So, because an amputation costs a hell of a lot more than it would if we were taking care of the wound in the early stages before it got infected, before it got bad. So some of those things, um, you know, and trying to get more education, more focus on the preventative things, even, you know, simple things like wearing your seatbelt every time you get in a car. Right. for me, that's just ingrained, and it feels weird if I'm in a car and don't, don't have my seatbelt seat on. on. Yeah. Right, but you talk to people, and they're like, I never wear my seatbelt. I'm like, how do you not like? You do? do you not like to live? Because I like to live. Right, like, come to my intensive care unit. Let me show you what happens to you when you don't wear a seatbelt and right. get to a car accident. Like, right. here you go. Some of those things, you know, with education. Smoking's a big one. Smoking is probably the most preventable risk factor you can take off the table for you right self to prevent future problems because it makes me sad seeing people with like copd and emphysema and smoking also leads to heart disease and strokes and peripheral vascular disease there's a whole host of things other than just copd and lung cancer right because there's a whole host of other cancers it contributes to you know right 
increases your risk of breast cancer. It makes everything progress faster if you do get something bad. But it's one of those things that's a cumulative toxin. So what you're doing in your 20s is going to affect you in your 60s. But you're not thinking about it when you're 20. You're 20, right. Right. And then you're like, oh, no, I've just been diagnosed with COPD or lung cancer. I'll stop smoking now. And I'm like, it's too too late. late The damage is done. We can't undo it at that point. We needed to rewind time and undo it in your 20s. Right. And it's, it's one of those things, like, I vape now, I don't smoke cigarettes. Right. Which I know is not much better. Well, it is it is better that you're not inhaling all these carcinogens right. in your lungs. You know, and I breathe better, I feel better, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. I don't, like, yeah. I'm not consistently, I have a little bit of a summer cold now, but I don't, I'm not consistently, you know, coughing up grossness. Right. That I felt like I was doing one before. Because I think there was a point where it was like, okay, I need to stop. This is a lot. Right. And yes, I recognize that that damage that I did to my body for those 24 to 30, 10 years that I smoked, you know, it is done. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, but but the body repairs itself. So hopefully... Yeah, you know, hopefully you stop so you're giving your body time to repair itself. To repair itself. yourself before I get to... To a point, if I haven't already gotten to a point where these things are already like kind of mm-hmm. happening, um, that's the crazy in me talking. Sorry, <laughs> um, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's yeah, it's I'm hoping that I've gotten to a point where like I've I've I can kind of reverse some of the damage and not necessarily be as bad because I knew that like smoking was bad when I started smoking. You know, I tell the, the the story that the reason I started smoking was so that I could get a break at work because all the other servers who smoked could get a break. But if you didn't smoke, you didn't have a break because there was no need for you to have one as far as anyone was concerned. Right. Which is a bad policy because it right. encourages you to smoke. to smoke. Like if you let the people who didn't smoke get an extra break or more time for lunch or whatever, then people would quit smoking so they could get more time. Right. And more breaks, yeah. And so it was, that's why I started. And at first it was like, I was just puffing. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't actually inhaling. And then like, before I knew it, I was buying cigarettes. And I was like, I never wanted to be a smoker. Like, ugh. Yeah. This is gross. And then like, the idea of having not having a cigarette became like, ugh. And then it was like, I want to do this. People were like, you need to quit. No, I want to. Much like you were saying earlier with right. the, you know, the, the healthcare, here's your, we're giving you this healthcare. Well, I don't want it now. You right. know, it, it was, so I knew that, you know, I knew that that wasn't a thing that I needed to do or, you know, I knew it was gross and I hated people who, you know, I hated smokers before. Then I was like, oh, you smoke is disgusting. You know, and then I became one. And now that I'm an ex-smoker, I'm kind of like, I'm doing my best to not be the, your cigarette smoke is gross. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at the same time, your cigarette smoke is gross. I've heard but, that from a lot of ex-smokers. Like, once they stop and truly quit, they're like, I can't be around it anymore. Because it is I don't mind. There's I something can, like you yeah. turn it, but yeah. I can be around it. It's fine. But I definitely, like, I can smell it now. Yeah. Whereas I couldn't smell it before. Yeah. You know, I'm like, like, I'll take, I'll, I'll go, I have some friends who smoke, and I'll go, like, somewhere with them and come back. And I'll be like, all of my clothes smell like smoke. That's rude. Yes. <laughs> you know, but it is, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I'm, like I said, I'm cool about it. It is what it is. I don't mm-hmm. care. Right. Um, 
one of the, so it's I just think like I guess the question that I was asking when I asked you the state of healthcare. Yes. Do you feel like we're getting better um, as far as the preventative care and being more healthy, or you know, are we getting worse? I know you said it depends. Yes, it's. I think we were making strides to getting better, you know, especially with preventative health care and not to go off on another soapbox or soapbox with vaccines because that could be a whole other topic oh. with the vaccine. But like vaccines are preventative measures. This is preventative measures. One of the things about preventative care, I think that's hard is because if you do it correctly, you don't really see the results of it because you stay healthy. Right. So it wasn't like you were sick and then got better and you're like, hey, that's really great. I was sick and got better. Right. You know, like a vaccine, they give it like, you gave me this, my arm aches now, what the hell? And then you didn't get sick and you're like, There was no reason for that, right. There's no reason for that. I'm like, well, the shot was the reason you didn't get sick, you know, but. Right, well, that's like in my 20s. Whereas if you get like, you know, bronchitis or something, it's like, oh, they gave me an antibiotic. Well, now I feel better. better. So that was worth paying the copay to go to the doctor. Right. Whereas why do I have to pay copays to go for someone to, to the tell doctor? Me that I'm fine. Yeah, for someone to tell me I'm fine. Right. And that's kind of where you I think we're at in the 20s and a lot of young people are in their 20s and it's the thing about the Affordable Care Act was it was built on a house of cards basically. Right. And the way our insurance system works is it's built on a house of cards. So insurance um, their goal is they want you to give them money and them not to have any money spent on you. Right. That's how they make money. So they need a lot of young, healthy people who don't have any medical problems in their pool of people who pay insurance into them. Right. And only a few of maybe elderly or someone who's really sick or someone who's had a bad car wreck and is going to need, you know, rehab and intensive physical therapy and was in the ICU for a month recovering and right. different things. They only want like one or two of those in this, you know, you have a hundred people paying into insurance. They want 90 of those to be in their twenties with no health problems and maybe 10 of those with various degrees of illness and only right. one of them to be really sick. And then they're like, yay, we're making lots we're of making money. money right. Insurance is great. But when you turn that over and the only people who are buying insurance are the ones who already have medical problems or on medication that they have to take every single day for the rest of their life, like your blood pressure medicine, or, you know, I've had a heart attack and now I need health insurance or I had surgery, but I'm going to need complications from that and keep going on. Or I just got diagnosed with diabetes. So now you have only those people make up 80% of your pool and only 20 of them are the young, healthy ones who never go to the doctor. Right. You're not making any money then. And you're like, well, we are going to have to jack up the rates on these people to make any money. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's a business and the business is to make money. Right. And the way our health insurance system works, and I read a good article on this a couple, maybe a year ago, because the current administration is starting to chip away at the Affordable Care Act. Right. Well. So we're starting to see... When it first came out and people really were getting enrolled in things, we still saw some people who were uninsured 
because they chose not to go through the exchanges or their employees wouldn't do it and they wouldn't go through the exchanges or whatever. But those were fewer and far between. So it was great because when they were sick and in the hospital, because most of my time is spent seeing people in the hospital. But we could get them what they need and the care that they needed when they left the hospital. Because once you're in the hospital, we have to take care of you no matter what. It's illegal for us to say, nope, sorry, but is that, you're too it? expensive, we're dumping you. You have to go now. I don't care that you're not fixed or I don't care that you're still running a fever. Or right. I don't care that, you know, your infection's still bad or that you it's, had a heart attack yesterday. It's going to be too expensive for us to fix your heart. So bye-bye. You know, that's... Right. We have to... So it's not a matter of they... Because I was always under the impression like emergency rooms and things, they have to get you stable. Yeah. So if you... Anybody who walks through the doors of the emergency room... Has to be treated. Right. So that's, there's a rule called EMTALA, and I forget what all that stands for. It's in an acronym, but EMTALA prevents us from saying, you walk into the emergency room or crawl into the emergency room or however you get there, and we say, wait, wait, what insurance do you have? No, no, you have to go to the next right. ER. We can't do that. You have to come we in. You have, to, treat, you have right. to come in, right. So once you're in the ER, and part of it is federal law and part of it's medical ethics and part of it is we will get our asses sued if we don't treat you properly and something bad happens to you. Right. So we stabilize you now. If you're deemed well enough, you can be discharged. You know, you have a cold. Cool. Here you go. Yeah. You stubbed your toe. Here's a splint. Here here you go. You right. can leave the ER. Um, or, hey, yeah, you're sick. We need more testing. You need more treatment. You're being admitted to the hospital. Right. And then whatever level of care you need in the hospital, ICU, regular floor, monitor right. floor, et cetera. So, yeah, once you're in the hospital, if we're trying to transfer you to another hospital, then they can look at your insurance and decide no, whether they want to keep you. Right. But right. The, because you're already somewhere getting care in a bubble, so they... They don't need, they don't, yeah, they can say no because you don't have the insurance or right. we don't take people with green hair or whatever the reason may be. Right. They can just say, no, we don't. We're full. Yeah. But, you know, you have to get a level of a specific or a certain level of care from the place that you're in. Right. Then. Right. Okay. And a lot of, like, difficulty I see with insurance or problems I have on my end trying to treat patients and fighting with insurance companies is... Once you're in the hospital, we just order whatever tests we need and see your the hospital gets paid by insurance. They say, OK, you have this diagnosis you came in with. You came in with COPD. Right. So we're going to give you this much money to take care of this person with COPD because it should like on average, it costs this much money to take per visit hospital visit for a patient with COPD with this diagnosis. OK, so here's your bucket of money. So if the hospital can get you better and get you out before that bucket of money runs out, then the hospital makes money. Right. If the hospital can't get you out before that bucket of money runs out, then they start losing money the longer you're there. Right. So it incentivizes the hospital to get you better quickly. Right. But then my question from that would be, if the incentive, if, if that is the incentive, right. is to get you better quickly, hmm. is there other things that could be missed? Because the idea is... This is the bucket of money we have. Right. This is, you know, we have X amount of dollars. These things cost this much money. Once we've reached kind of the tipping point mm-hmm. of, okay, we're no longer making money. 
on this particular situation. Right. You know, okay, we can't find anything. Everything's fine. You know, we're you're good. Is is that kind of where things can be missed? Um, um potentially. I mean, normally we're not dealing with the dollar and cents on the physician, right? And so, kind of the check and balance to that end is. One, the physician's ethics, so it depends on how ethical and driven you think your physician is to find out what's wrong with you. Right. Um, hopefully you think they are driven and ethical and want to figure out what's wrong with you. And then if you don't think that, the other check and balance on that is if we miss something or don't take care of you properly, and it, especially if it was egregious, you can sue us. Right. Because we missed something. And then not only did you lose the money, you know, right. you, you, you're you now losing money. Right. For, so there, I mean. And we hate to be sued. Like, there's a big fear of lawsuits because you don't want to deal with it. You don't want that. There's also that, oh my God, I did something wrong and they're right. suing me. You just, it, there's an emotional toll and everything else that goes with okay. that. So we're more inclined to, well, I think you're fine. But let me run this extra test just to make sure I didn't miss weird this. diagnosis. A, a here. Right. Here. Okay, that's fine. Okay, then you could go. So. Okay. Because it's yeah. just, I mean, you, the way that my, the way that I, my brain has been set up lately. Um, right. And you, you know this now. Yes. Um, is that since I've been going through this situation, I've been taking the medication. Um, I, the medication makes me feel worse than I did before. Um, just cause it makes me not want to eat food or do things. Um, but you know, the, the chest, the underlying chest pains and anxiety hasn't really gone away either. But you know what my therapist said yesterday, cause I'm seeing a therapist too, cause all of this is happening at once. Yes. Um, is that like, it takes two, she's like the, the doctor say it takes about a month, but really it takes like two weeks for the medication to really kind of, I forget the word that she said. Reach like a steady state in your yeah, system. Yeah, in your yeah. system. And she's like, and then you should see, um, you should start to feel relief at that point. Well, in my mind, I'm like, that's still two weeks. And I recognize that I am not a patient man. You know, mm-hmm. not a patient man. But like, this stuff came on suddenly. So it should be able to leave just as suddenly. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the medicines don't work that way. Like, I would love to be able to give you something that we could give you this. It'll work immediately to curb the anxiety and all right. of those feelings, and they would be gone, and we can just go back do to life the way that it was. Yeah, we would all love to have that medicine, right? But it doesn't. It doesn't, and, yeah. and I recognize that. But it's like, not, it's not TV. That's the other thing. People are like, "Oh, why don't you have my test results back yet?" And I'm like, "We had this, to send them to a special lab. Right. It takes a few days." Or, or in my case, <laughs> cultures. I'm like. Okay, the cultures, it's like planting a seed. You have to wait for it to grow. We have right. to wait for the bacteria to grow up enough that for we us. can see it and then run a test on it to figure out what it is. Because yeah, like, right now, it's not doing anything. Right. right. It, it takes two days. Like, they divide at a certain rate. I can't I make can't... them go any faster. Exactly. Until yeah. we have better testing, this is where we're this at. This is where we're at right now. Yes. And it's, it's, I always think it's interesting and... In, because, you know, like I've been talking about this a lot lately, especially, and I apologize to all of my friends and you, because we're talking about it again, you know. But, like, I wanted to talk to you about this and me and specifically, because, A, I feel like if someone is listening and they're hearing us have this conversation, maybe it will take to help them, maybe it will help them feel better about, you know, if something's happening with them. 
because um, it makes me feel better. Right. But um, like it's like to me, it's like the side effects for some of this stuff. And I realized I was reading and one thing you should never do. If you have anxiety of any way, shape, shape or form, is to read the side effects. It's a terrible idea. Yes, because they have to list anything when they bring a new drug to market. Mm-hmm. They do the clinical trials, especially th- phase three trials where they're giving a large group of people medicine. Right. And they get a logbook and they're like, okay, you're on this medicine. So report to us anything out of the ordinary that happens. Right. So they're like, oh, I had a purple spot on my arm. I mean, it doesn't matter that I was coloring with purple markers. I have a purple, a purple spot, spot on my, on my arm. arm. So I have a purple spot on my arm. Now purple log. spots. Yes. So, you know, headaches are a common one because everybody has headaches. And right. is, is it the medicine? Is it not? Are they more frequent? I don't know. You have to look at how often people are reporting headaches. Right. Uh, you know, nausea, all these other symptoms. Oh, nausea's not a game in this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anything that's listed, that people list 1% or more, gets put in that package insert they give you as oh. all the side effects. So, so they say, oh, purple spots. Well, that could be a few people said that, or it could be 90% of the people say that. They don't give you percentages in that right. on what how common the side effects Okay, Because, yeah. like, I'm getting, um, and I don't have a problem saying this stuff, but, like, and I can tell you, and you can tell, tell me whether these are, because you talk about some of them, and you're like, that's weird. Um, <laughs> but, like, I'm getting things like, like hot flashes. And I'm like, why am I getting a hot flash? This is annoying. I am not menopausal. <laughs> and I'm not a woman. No. But, like, I'll get hot flashes. Or, like... I don't want to eat anything. And I did notice that that is like, you know, weight yeah. loss. Is yeah, weight loss effect. comes with the medicine. Yeah, because it decreases your appetite. It, Hot yeah. flashes could be the medicine. Too. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm still getting the chest pains. But then I found out, I read that my blood pressure medication causes chest pains. So I'm like, this could be, that could be what this was the whole time. And I didn't. <laughs> 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 Are you kidding me? Right. You know, but like, I remember, I don't feel. All the time. Sometimes every once in a while it'll kind of kick up, but I don't feel like the impending sense of doom mm-hmm. that I was feeling before, although I did wake up to a panic attack yesterday and that mm-hmm. wasn't fun. I was fully asleep. Oh. And yes. then just was awake and was like, oh God, I'm going to die right now. This is not awesome. No. This is a panic attack. And I'm like, if I take my medication, I'm going to be nauseous. I'm not going to want to go to work because I'm going to be nauseous gross but you know so that's either here or there so it's i've often like thought about like when we're talking medication and then the side effects it's you know it's good to know that like this they 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 put that list out and that list is just kind of anything everything kind of catch-all yes and your results may vary you know but you know as a person who uh, you know i've as a self-proclaimed hypochondriac like i you know, one of the things I saw was a persistent itchy throat on this medication. And I was like, and like that, I got that summer cold. Yes. And so my throat started itching. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not going to walk around here with an itchy throat for months. We're not doing it. I can't do, no. And now I'm fine. It's fine. I don't have it because it was literally the summer cold. Right. But, you know, another one of the side effects for serious side effects is flu-like symptoms. So I'm like. Great, I'm having, this is, am I allergic to this stuff? So at what point, 
um, as a medical professional, someone like me, what point do I say, hey, something is going on with this medication or something is going on with this, you know, I'm not feeling, I don't feel like things are going the way that they should be going or I'm progressing Mm -hmm. or getting, you know, back to normal in the manner in which I feel like things should be. What should, what should be the point in which I should say that as opposed to calling in being like, I just don't feel good. I don't know how to explain it. And because that's what I do. And then no one take you, people don't take you seriously because you can't name verbalize, verbalize symptoms. Yes. You know, I think the part of the reason why it took so long for us to figure out what was going on or that something was wrong was because I couldn't figure out how to explain it. You know, it was like, they're like, well, what's wrong? I just feel weird. Well, what does feeling weird mean? I don't know. It's just weird, you know. And then once I started, like, you know, picking out, oh, well, my chest hurts. Okay, well, how does it feel when your chest hurts? I don't know. I'm doing good to tell you my chest hurts. Right, yes. You know. Yeah. You know, and then, like, when we were talking the other day and you were like, well, is it like this or is it like this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Because now that I'm talking about it, I don't feel it. But, like, if I sit here quiet, I'll feel it again. Like, it'll be here. Well, and it's hard, and I think that's, so with side effects, because I have a fun, funny story about the terms, but okay. with, to answer your question about the side effects, most medications, if you're on them for a week or two and still having the side effects and they're completely, you know, they're still having the side effects and you don't like them, you you know, talk to your doctor, they may be able to substitute out one medicine for a different one in the same class, depending on what it is, or right. find one that works better for you. If you have a side effect that's intolerable, say you're just puking your guts out for two or three days, can't keep anything down, you know, if it's severe, I would right. call the doctor immediately. Like, if it's to the point you can't work, you can't live your life, something severely wrong, you know, muscle pain all over, Right. stop it, you know, any signs of a allergic reaction you're breaking out into hives definitely if you start having trouble breathing your throat closes go to the emergency room hives stop the medicine call your doctor if it keeps progressing go to the er those are like the dire ones but yeah if it's something that's severe and impacting your life like nausea vomiting can't keep anything down severe muscle cramps or you can't move or walk or anything like that there's a whole host of other things. Right. You know, if it's severe enough that you're like, no, something is seriously wrong with me. Right. If it's these kind of nagging little things, especially with you, it's hard because with your anxiety and... Everything is up to 10. Right. So you should not read your package insert. And what I try to do, we're not always good about this, but what the doctor should do when they prescribe you a new medicine is say, okay, here's the medicine here are the most common side effects or here are the bad side effects. Like if you start seeing yellow spots, call me immediately because that's really bad. You know, right. like, so if there's something really bad you need to watch out for, they need to tell you, okay, if you start having suicidal thoughts, stop the medicine, call me immediately. Like right. the, the doctor should tell you those things. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, Another failure, I think part of, when you're talking about state of healthcare, I think part of it is we don't have enough physicians or even nurse practitioners, providers, whatever term you want to use. Because those are a nice help fill in. Right. Nurse practitioners, physician assistants, those are great to help 
fill in stuff. You know, some problems are complicated and you need a physician who's done way more hours of training right. and are experts in that. Not that a nurse, good nurse practitioner can't deal yeah. with a complex problem. It, right. Everybody's level of training is different. Like physicians have been the most trained, have done the most apprenticeship, if you will. Right most hours, log the most hours before they're turned loose on their own right. to practice. Whereas a nurse practitioner, depending on how much nursing experience they bring to the table before they become a nurse practitioner. They may have, they may have similar, they, they, may, they may not have the, the training that the physician had, but they've got, they may have right. the experience. Right. Like you could have someone who's been an ICU nurse for 20 years, then went and got her nurse practitioner and know something better than the, doctor who just came out of residency right like she probably knows more than this but if you've got someone nursing school nurse practitioner school logs whatever hours they told me to log and now i'm a nurse practitioner, now I'm a nurse practitioner they mm. may not be as experienced as a doctor so it kind of depends on right where you're at but we don't but keeping all of the providers nurse practitioners physician assistants physicians all of those in one bucket i we still don't have enough providers i think to go around with patients right. plus part of it again with the way it's set up to billing you have to see more patients to make money so you're right. seeing patients you don't we don't always have the time to sit down and say here's the education that goes with, with this yeah right. and, I, and i noticed like that. your blood pressure you didn't understand that that was a lifelong thing right and some of it is we make assumptions that you know these things because we know them as like well this is a basic thing everybody right. knows this right and we're like no no not everybody's had as much science class as we do. I mean, they right. don't know this. Right. And it's, it's, I, yeah. I, I'd never had, like, you know, I'd never really, healthcare wasn't a thing. Like, growing up, we had military healthcare. Yes. So, like, it was, you go to the emergency room and sit there for 12 hours and then get annoyed and leave. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's just It'd what. be like my father, break his leg when he's nine. Goes to the infirmary on base. They cast his leg. Then call his mother and say, come "Hey, get your son. <laughs> come get your son." He but broke yeah. his leg. She's like, "Excuse me, what?" what? Yes. Yeah, but like we didn't, you know. And I'd, I'd never broken a bone. I'd never had any kind of major, you know, surgery. I've never had like an appendix taken out or anything yeah. like that. Nothing. This was my this this was my first surgery or any kind of, you know major hospital thing other than like the heart stuff but that was even that was we're just running a bunch of tests to see what's going on and so it was like this was a whole new thing and they're asking questions and i'm like i don't know the answers to this stuff right like where's bridget like you know and it's it's should i be taking more responsibility of my health care yes absolutely but like where i'm at right now i don't know a lot and so it's always good to have someone you know, who, who does know things and can ask. Because, like, when we were at the emergency room the other day yes. and you started asking questions, I was like, yes, because I would have never thought to ask the questions that you were asking. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, okay, I, I feel like there's an advocate. Yes. And um, the other thing I've realized is that I'm not necessarily a fan of male doctors. It's okay. um, good. There was a study that female doctors are better yeah. recently. I just, it's, there is a level of, empathy and concern like my cardiologist is great i'm sure he's amazing at his at his job um but like i asked a question and i specifically asked a question about my blood pressure medication and changing it 
because I like it's still consistently high. And I get, yes. you don't have a baseline because I didn't know that that was a thing I needed to do. But if I'm saying like, hey, you know, it's still a little high. And, you know, he's like, oh, well, you know, he you completely disregard that. And I get like you're trying to kind of do that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can't deal with every little thing because then you'll just be, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, for me, if you're like, okay, well, let's check your blood pressure and see what it is now. Yeah. And, you know, figure out maybe is it a little higher than it should be if you took your, med- your blood medication? Like, I took my stuff, I took it last night, and I still was still high. And then this morning, I took it, and it was still like 154 over 90. And I'm like, that's still high, especially yeah. early in the morning. Right. So, you know... This is a, these are things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm not versed enough to explain this you know to mm-hmm. someone. So if I'm asking, hey, I still think it's high. Can we make a change? You know, and to completely disregard it, it's like okay. And then when I went to was my new primary care physician, who happens to be a man, you know, same thing. I'm having you know I'm telling the story. I'm telling him what's going on. Tell him about the leg and how it's still numb and it's still numb. And he's like, well, I don't, there's nothing we can do about that. That just is what it is. And I'm like, but there could be like a blood, like I'm reading things up like numbness in the leg and tightness. And I'm like, there could be a blood clot. There could be all of these things. And you're not paying attention to any of that. And, you know, I'm like, but I'm telling you, it's numb. And he's like, well, how long has it been? I was like, I'm like, it's been about three weeks now. And he's like, it'll be fine. Maybe you should go to a chiropractor or something. I'm like... Yeah. Well, I think part of it, because there's definitely a language barrier, because we have a lot of medical jargon, a gobbledygook that means something to us, that means nothing to anybody else. else. Like, I wish Stewie could be here tonight, because he's the king, and I love him for this. He is not bashful, and I'll be like, you're saying words that I don't understand. And he says this, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's this. And I'm like, I love that you say that, because I don't always realize that I've gone into, you know, medical jargon mode. And he's like, and nobody else knew what you were saying at the table, but I'm the only one brave enough to be like, like, I don't know what you just said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's because I went speaking a foreign language, but well, and like my funny story about like trying descriptors and trying to get the language to mesh together. So, when I was in kindergarten, they always do hearing tests when you start school, and they found that I had a little bit of hearing loss. Um, so I had to get tested every single year to make sure it wasn't getting any worse, and it right. was stable, and it's not enough. You really notice unless somebody's mumbling at me or oh, you're okay. in a big crowd. <laughs> you're not mumbling, no. I have patients who, like, mumble horribly sometimes, and I'm like, I need you to repeat that three more times because I did not catch a word. A word that you just said. Yes. Yeah. So... But they would always ask you as part of the test because they, you know, say words in different volumes and see what you can hear and buzz this little annoying high-pitched sound, like the different frequencies and see which frequencies you're missing. So, but they always ask me without fail, they're like, do you have any ringing in your ears? And I'm like, no. Because in my mind, especially as a little kid, I ringing, I'm thinking, ring like right. a phone. Right. And if you're young below 30 you don't know what that sounds like but because right. we don't have we those don't have phones anymore. anymore right yeah so i got to high school 
finally, and somebody was saying something like, oh, we're talking about ringing in your ears and how it's this like sustained high pitched kind of sound. And I'm like, that's what that is? I do. I get that occasionally. Yeah. And you're like, (laughs) that's what you mean? But I went, you know, almost. I was 16 or 17, so I went 12 so years, years without, with like, thinking yes. that was the wrong thing. Yeah. Going, no, I don't have any ringing in my ears. And right. Then, you know, someone actually said the descriptor to me, and I'm like, that's what oh. you mean by that? Oh, I've, yes. I've been had that. Yes. Yes. I get that occasionally. Well, it's funny because, like, you know, when we talk about the anxiety and the panic attacks yeah. and things like that, I didn't know what they were prior. Right. You know, and I was like, have you know, like, have you ever had these before? And I'm like... Well, no. And then the more that I thought about it, you know, and the more I'm like, okay, they've never been this strong right? and this pronounced. But yeah, I've had like these feelings. I'm like, I've had like the flush feeling and all that. They're like, Jason, those are panic attacks. And I'm like, well, I've been having those forever. Like, <laughs> I didn't know, like, I didn't know that's what they were. Right. I didn't know, yeah. like, I, I didn't know it was abnormal, yeah. you know, for that to be a thing. I was just like. I was like, my issue was, I'm driving down the highway one day, and I thought I was going to die. Like, I I saw, literally saw, the darkness come, and I was like, I need to get over the road, get over right now. Yeah. You know? And that's when I was like, okay, something is, like, seriously wrong, and I need to figure out what's going on. And, you know, Angie and I have been talking about it, and and shout out to Angie, I love you, um, had been talking about, you know, these are panic attacks, but I was like, okay, like, I understand that. I get it. Cool. Wow, this is huge. You know, yes. this is a big deal. And yeah, then it was like, I don't want to leave, go and get out of bed. I don't want to play video games. I don't want to like, I don't feel like painting minis. I don't like feel like doing any of the things that I do. It's kind of like my release. I just don't want to do anything. Right. And yeah, all I wanted to do was just lay in bed and watch whatever was on YouTube. And that's because it was the least amount of energy I could expend mm-hmm. and be fine. And it was like, and now kind of, I've been painting minis again and we're podcasting. And, right. you know, all of the, I'm starting to slowly get back into doing these things. But it's like, what, as a medical professional, you know, I've always said that I didn't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. And I still mean that. Yeah. Like, um, what are things that, that that you can think of that would be like, okay, this is a temporary situation. And it's temporary for me. I hope. You know, mm-hmm. I hope that this isn't something that's permanent. But what are things and ways that we can, that you can do to kind of assist in coming out of kind of that depression and the anxiety? Like, I know that anxiety never goes away. You just learn to cope with it. Right. Um, which is rude because I didn't have it before. You know? Well, at least I did. Well, but. you probably did, but your coping mechanisms have worked before, and now something with the medical stuff and the chest pain has thrown you kind of over and beyond what your coping mechanisms can cope with. Okay. So, you know, it's can we move you your line back here to where your normal coping mechanisms Actually work? work. Right. Right. So, and I think you're doing the right things. You know, you're seeing therapy. You're going through those exercises as well. You know, the medication right now, you need it until we can move the line back Back to where it is. Okay. Right. And then once you're good and stable and everything's 
good and you feel like you have control over it, then... And you talk with your doctor, of course, right. on this. Because is not meet. my actual doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hippolas like, would not allow this conversation to be happening. <laughs> well, they could if you were okay with it. You, If you give permission, then we can talk about this. But um, depending on what, like, I don't want to tell you to do this. And your doctor's like, no, we're not doing that. Right. <laughs> yes. So I'm not going to countermand your, your doctor's no, no. that you're seeing. This is, this is friend right. conversation. Right. And I'm... But yeah, once you get back... To the line where you feel your normal baseline, because everybody's normal is different. Right. Then you can see if you can wean off the medication and still be okay at your normal. Right. And if you can't, then, then, then you, go then back you to need the, the medicine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, your blood pressure, on the other that's hand. That's just what it is. Yeah, and that's probably genetic. I don't know if either of your parents have blood pressure problems, but... And unfortunately, yeah. it's more common in African-American, especially African-American males. So, the, And that is the last point. Well, not the last point. I wanted yeah. to go somewhere else for that first time. First oh, okay. Uh, yes. But there is a thing about, I, I do, because we do talk about issues that affect the black community. Yes, yes. Um, but so I want to get to that, you know, okay. especially, because uh, I feel like you deal, especially, in, and then this is going to sound w- different than how I mean it. Um, you know, I feel like what we do because we don't have uh, adequate, and I'm, you're not a mental health care prof- professional, and I recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we don't have adequate mental health, I feel like in this country, uh, yes. as a general rule. Oh, I agree um, wholeheartedly. Especially in communities of color, there yes. tends to be a level of um, self medication. Yes. Um, that comes from you know. Whatever, you know, drugs or, you know, anything that they use to self-medicate, which then leads to other behaviors, which then your your, uh, position comes into play, infectious diseases, sharing needles, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this is not just a people of color problem um, at all, but I feel like it's something that you can speak to um, just having, though, that experience that you have. With, because I you mean you've with you've never made say names or anything like that, but we've shared some stories where you're like, this is a thing, you yes. know, <laughs> and yeah. you know this this happened and just roundabout and it's always been I'm always like, how do people get to that point, you know, right? What and and now kind of that I'm in this position where like, okay, I'm having some mental health issues, um, I get it now because. Prior to taking the medication, when I was like, and even though it was just a couple of days or, you know, a week or so, all I wanted was it to go away. And I didn't care how it went away. Right. And, you know, it's all I wanted to do was to just not feel the mm-hmm. way that I felt. And so now I kind of get it in a different way. You know, luckily I have the means to do it the right way. Right. Well, you know. When you don't have those means, um, what's the best way to get it so that they don't come to see you? You know what I mean? Right. And, well, and this kind of ties back in with your, your global question of the state of healthcare. And I said it depends. Because if you have insurance, in general, you can, depending on what level of insurance you have. Like, right. there's varying degrees on how well stuff covers and how it doesn't. If you can get the health care you need, health care in this country is great. 
we have a lot of resources, we have a lot of fancy tests, we have a lot of great surgical techniques, a lot of medical equipment, that's great. If you don't have insurance, it's pretty crappy for you right. to get healthcare. Cause, and part of that's because of the Affordable Care Act came out where like everybody ha- should have services. So some of the indigent programs and things, not everything, they're still out there. But a lot of those started pulling back and some of the free healthcare clinics we're pulling back because they're like, well, we, we're not really needed as much right. to have a free healthcare clinic because people have insurance, so they we can funnel them into to the, the, main, the mainstream health- system. Right. You know, and not have to line up at the free healthcare clinic and hope you get it, you know, take a number and hope, hope you get you in get that in a day and right. you may not. Um, you know, mental health, I think we're still not doing a good job on that in general because we don't have enough mental health care providers right and i think the ancillary services were still behind you know like what happens if you need hospice we have a lot of good hospice providers in the country that are great right but it depends on if you can afford them if how much your insurance will pay for them what you can what yeah what what services that you can provide and i think a lot of it is you know, especially we. You know, or physical therapy. Dental is another one. Yeah. You either go to the dentist or you, or you don't. don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. And I haven't been to this in a while because it's, I don't have time. Really. <laughs> right. But, but if you yeah. don't have dental care, you don't, you go, to don't go to the dentist. And I see a lot of problems come my way that come from bad teeth. Right. You know, and it could be simple as a dental abscess. I've had full blown facial cellulitis. I've had someone with abscesses of the jaw because they didn't take care of their teeth, osteomyelitis, bone infection of the jaw, um, infections of the heart because they get they get bacteria in their blood from their teeth, their infected teeth, and it goes to their heart. Oof. Yeah, so I mean, teeth are more important than people, people realize. realize yeah. But I get because a lot of people are like, well, I would have gone to the dentist, but but I don't have the yeah, I, don't I don't have the, the money. money yeah, and they want the money upfront yeah. cash if you don't have dental insurance to. Get your teeth pulled or right. do whatever they've got to do. So and that's the thing. Like it's you know with the hospital, they you know they will do the running around, running after you to do to, to find your money to get their money. Yes. Dentists don't do that. They're like either you pay us now, or or you're just gonna have bad teeth. It is what it is. And I think you know the other side of that coin is you know while we don't have good you know we don't have enough qualified mental health you know professionals the other side of that coin is is that we as a society i feel like we are we never we don't prize taking time yeah and we don't pay for mental health very well as far as insurance coverage and part of it i would hope it's getting better now especially with some of the more prominent celebrity suicides right. recently that people are having more conversations and like with all the veteran suicides and mental health and PTSD people I think are starting to pay attention right a bit more. and part of that I think is because mental health we consider that a weakness of character and yes. not an illness yes and it's it's an illness it's you know it's one in your brain in your brain chemistry you know, there are chemicals in your brain and those aren't balanced right and it's not firing and right. it is a disorder, but you can't see it. It's not like a broken arm that, oh, I see your broken arm right. hanging out. I know you're sick. 
But when you say, oh, I'm having anxiety and can't come to work, they're like, really? Or are you just... You just don't want to come to work. It's fine. Right. Yeah. So there's kind of that. And I think, not that I would wish the veterans to go through any mental health, but I'm surprised we don't have more mental health problems with the veterans when you put these people in these highly stressful stressful situations situations, and expect them to come back unchanged and not a mental problem. It's ridiculous. But seeing these big, tough, you know, military men and women come back that are you know, mentally tough, have been through a war zone, have survived this. We know they're physically fit because they're combat ready. Right. And they're coming back saying, no, my brain is not working properly like now. Like something say, is wrong, right. Oh, well, maybe it's not a weakness thing because this big, strong guy has a problem. This part, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. And, and I think that we don't, you know, we don't, we as Americans, yes. um, we work not to say that we, that other, you know, other countries, you know, societies don't work hard as either, right. but we work really hard and we, we are, we are judged by our output. Yes. And so it is very, you know, there's a level of guilt when you're like, I need to take a day. Right. You know? Yeah. There's... I feel guilty every time I take off for vacation, which right. is ridiculous because I'm a better doctor if I come back, take a break, rest my brain for a while. Right. And I'm yeah. not stressed out. Like when I'm burned out and I feel that point of burnout rising, I'm like, you know, like you were talking about, oh, they just blew me off. I'm like, somebody's like babbling. Not they're, they're babbling. Out. They're right. talking. I'm like, please finish your story. Finish your story. I have 30 I, more patients to see. And I'm like, okay, I need to stop and be present in the moment. Because they may actually tell me a story and say, yes. And then at the end of that, I jumped into this lake and then, you know, like you got infested with parasites. Right. And I'm like, that's where this came from. That's what you have, you know, right. but you need to listen to the story because that may hold the key to what's... To what the actual issue is. Or, you know, like you were saying, you know, like, you don't know how to verbalize it, but I'm like, you keep bringing up your blood pressure and I'm like, okay, he's talked about his blood pressure five times. Maybe that's what he's, the number one thing he's actually worried about right. in this visit, even though he said he came in for nausea. Right. You know, but we keep bringing up our, blood, bring pressure. Up our blood pressure. So that's what. So maybe looking at the context that. clues right. of what, like the underlying thing, because a lot of people don't, you know. And we'll go back to kind of to where I was talking about output and work and things uh, yes, in a minute. Yes. But a lot of people don't know how to vocalize and verbalize what they're saying, what they're feeling, because all they know is that they don't feel good, right. and all they know is that they don't feel normal. They don't feel like they did. You know, a week ago or two weeks ago or whenever the last time they felt like good, but they can't necessarily tell you what's wrong. And, you know, it's just like, like, I remember, you know, me and my partner were having, he was like, he's like, well, what's wrong? I'm like, I just don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? I don't know what it means. I just right. know that I don't feel, I can't, I don't have the words yes. to tell you what they are, what it is I'm feeling because I'm not a doctor and I can't say Oh, I feel flush from this thing and this and this. And it wasn't until, you know, I had a conversation with someone who had panic attacks who were like, do you feel this? Do you feel this? Do you feel this? I was like, oh, yes, these are the things that I feel. And then when I went and talked to, when I went into for my cardiologist appointment and I'm explaining to the nurse practitioner there, she's like, do you feel this too? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, these are panic attacks. Cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Like now there's confirmation that this is what this is. And now we have a plan. There's a plan or something in place in which I like, this is something I can run to now. I can figure this out. Whereas before I don't know what it is. So I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm having a heart attack 
every minute of the day, and this is what the problem is, and we just need to figure it out. Yeah. Let's just fix it. Yeah. Well, and some of that is general kind of public service announcement. You don't have to have the doctor words, because we don't expect you to have the doctor words. You know, I don't expect you to come in and say, well, my leg has some erythema and some edema, and it's swollen and warm, so I'm right. pretty sure I have cellulitis. Like, I don't expect anybody to talk like that to, you to like me. That. You're like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, oh, where did you go to school? What medical, you know, what branch of medicine are you in? Well, and then it's also being careful to not be too specific. Because... Because I don't want to say, is this happening? You know, are you having ringing in your ears? Being like, no, that's not what it is. But I think some of it is, if you don't, even if you don't feel like you have the right words. Mom, I'm recording a podcast. I'll call you back later. Hi, Mom. Say hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. That was mom. Nope, I'll call you back in a minute. I'm recording. Love you. Bye. Well, guys, that was my mom. So there's that. But if you don't have the words, just tell us in whatever words you can come up with. Right. Like if you say, oh, I have ants crawling up my skin. You're like, it sounds crazy. And they're going to think I'm crazy when I say that. But you tell that to me and I'm like, oh, maybe you're having some nerve pain. Is it numbness until, you know, like it may... Get me to say, oh, is it like this? this? And you're like, yes. So, you know, if you feel like, I feel like there's bubbles inside of my body or, you know, whatever. Whatever, however you can kind of. You know, or if you said, you know, like black, (coughs) like I was driving and there was blackness closing in on me. Like that would get us to where we need to be. Right. You know, so even if you're like, I don't feel well because I feel like. There's something sitting on my chest, or I feel like there's something trying to crawl out of my body. You know, right. whatever words you can come up with are better than no words at all. Okay. Like if there's something going on, at least try and speak up and describe. Because we've heard a lot of stuff. Like we've heard a lot of people say a lot of weird things. So sometimes you're like, I swear, well, I always... it feels like there's ants crawling up my arm, and I'm like, okay, you'd be surprised because that actually would mean something to us. Right. Yeah. Because like, I like I was like and I, I, I for me, I try to be as not technical as possible because I don't like or I try to explain it in a way that I think would make sense. Mm-hmm. Like exactly how I'm feeling. Yes. And you know, what I tend what I notice is that when if I just say I don't feel well or if I just say, you know, I feel like, you know, my chest hurts or I'm having chest pains. Okay, but if I'm like, I feel like my heart is beating like really fast, or I, I'm sorry, I start to like give the Google definition of what this is, then it's there's almost like a disregard for that because it's like, oh, there's nothing wrong, you're just a hypochondriac, it's fine, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, I don't, I don't want to list off too many of the symptoms, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like, mm, although I might be feeling all of that stuff, right? But I'm like, if I give you like word for word, this is the symptoms, and you're just gonna be like, you don't have. This, this is not well, a problem. That's not true. Sometimes the classic presentation is a classic presentation for a reason. So sometimes people come in and say, an elephant is sitting on my chest. And we're like, oh, you're having a heart attack. Let's get you right back. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. Like, so. Luckily, I've not got an elephant. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, or there's an ice pick through my chest or, you know, whatever it feels right. like. But, yeah, if you say my heart is racing or I can feel my heart fluttering in my chest. Yeah. Tell us that because we're like, oh. That, that means mean a specific, you know, that's a specific arrhythmia that we could be feeling. Or, right. Yeah. This is a thing so. that could be this. And, and even like, though it's what Google says, we, 
we would take that seriously, especially... Right. Again, going back to the doctors hate getting sued. Anything heart-related. So if you complain of pain, no one can see this, anywhere in your chest, shoulders, abdomen. That's... Especially if you're a male of a certain age, they're like, oh, it's a heart attack. Let's get you back in. Cause right. Well, see, and I... get sued for heart stuff. Yeah. Right. And, like, and, it's, and for me, because... And I always worry because you never know. Like, right. So I'm serious about anything that has to do with my heart. But, you know, I also don't want to be that person that's, like, always at the hospital. You know, and so I have to ask the question. I'm like, is this the thing I need to be worried about? And then when you ask questions, I'm like, I can't answer these questions. I don't know. And, like, when you were talking the other day and you were like, well, what side is it? And I'm like, it's on this side. But it's because, like, I'll feel it here and then I'll feel it here. And then I'll be like, okay. And then I feel my heart race and then it'll kind of calm, go away a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it never really goes away. It just kind of lessens. And then it comes back. And then it lessens, and then it's just like, okay, I assume this is not a heart attack, because I don't, like, when we think of heart attack, we think of, you know, sharp, stabbing pain, you know, the the TV kind of yeah. definition of, like, right. you know, but, and then, then there's, like, a side I always like that, and I'm like, no, it has to always be like that, because then I don't know, <laughs> Ooh, like, well... As a man, you are more likely to have the classic symptoms with the sharp pain, right. elephant sitting on your chest, pain down the arm, shortness of breath, get all sweaty, feel sick to your stomach. I feel all of those all the time. I'm having heart attacks and no one's paying attention to me. <laughs> this is rude. Oh, we've no. done the blood test. You were not having a heart attack. Your EKG was fine. You were not having a heart well, attack. EKG was weird, but yes. Yeah, but not changed, yes. So if you're a woman, you're more likely to have atypical symptoms Mm -hmm. so you might have abdominal pain or tightness in your jaw yeah that's weird Mm -hmm. yeah so fun being female (laughs) we have weird heart attack symptoms it's like just weird so pay attention to your um, body (laughs) yes i mean that's really kind of the 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 takeaway is for everyone is pay attention to your body pay attention to the the signs i feel like if i had you know, maybe paid more attention to the things that were happening prior to this. I may not have had, because like I said, I think I've been feeling minor panic attacks for months and just didn't mm-hmm. didn't recognize that that's what they were. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't until it was just like, hey, yes, I'm here, and you will pay attention to me. You know, and now kind of I'm dealing with the aftermath of that, which is like not eating and, and all of these things and. Yes, I'm eating a little bit more now, so don't, so calm down. But, you know, I definitely recognize that I've lost weight in the last two weeks. And, you know, my therapist was like, you've lost weight. And I'm like, not by choice. Right. Or not because I'm trying, just yeah. is. You know, but, you know, and, you know, so, like, for me, like, the biggest reason I wanted to have you on, and we'll, I feel like we need to, there's a different, another discussion that we can have at a later point. Yeah. Um, we are hitting it like an hour, and I don't want it to go too long. Okay. Um, you know, about kind of where we were starting to go. Oh, with the discrepancies and right. socioeconomic. So, yeah. yeah. Social, we, I feel like that's a deeper conversation that we can yes. have um, for another time, because I want to, I know that you have an early morning, um, but I want to thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. And listening to me vent about my health issues and giving like super cogent answers to things to my non 
they my questions didn't make sense, but you answered them as much as you could, and I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and thank you for being my doctor when I need someone to talk to that my doctor is not available, you know, and to talk me off of the medical ledge <laughs> on a repeated and regular basis. Yeah. Um, you're awesome and amazing. Uh, and thank you. you. Well, I love you too. Yeah. And just like I was, you know, saying, pay attention to your body. Because you're the only one who knows what your body feels like inside and what's normal and not. So right. don't be afraid to do that. And yeah. I know you don't want to end up like, oh, I'm just a hypochondriac. Right. But you're also having symptoms. And again, that kind of goes to the mental health. Like nobody wants to speak up and oh, they're just going to dismiss me as crazy if I say all of this, so right. I'm just not going to say anything. Which is what I did for a long time. Right. You know? I, didn't do, I didn't say anything you know, about chest pains because I was like, I don't want to worry people or I don't want people to be like, oh, he's just being dramatic because I am dramatic. <laughs> and, you know, but now I'm like, no, I'm going to say something now yes. because I'm scared. It you got know? to the point you can right. ignore it anymore. I can't yeah. ignore it anymore. And there, there is still a level of fear because, you know, this is real. Like, I really am having symptoms. These things really are happening. And at this point, while we feel like we might have an answer, you know, we don't know for certain what this is. We won't know until, you know, we do all the rest of the tests are run and everything comes back and then it's just like, okay. You know, it's nothing wrong with your, nothing is wrong with your heart. Right. You know, and... You know, until then, I'm going to be, it's going to be a level of fear that I'm going to have. And, you know, the, my question, you know, my next questions when I get to the doctor is, okay, we know that I have an enlarged heart. How do we get rid of it? How do we fix that? What are the things that we do? What are their medications? What can we do so that this doesn't continue to be a problem? Because I didn't ask that the last time. Right. I just said, okay, cool. And I was under the impression that, again, Blood pressure medication would be done. This stuff would take care of itself. It is what it is. I wasn't until, you know, maybe three months ago that someone was like, you know, there's medication for that. And, you know, that may help assist with, you know, that. And then and I was like, oh, well, maybe I should talk to someone about that because I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's the more that I learn about kind of the conditions that I have, the more I'm like, I didn't know enough then to ask the questions to get the answers that I need now. You know, and so yes, take care of your body. Listen to your body. Don't be afraid. I think the biggest thing I'm taking here is don't be afraid to sound crazy. Right. Speak up. Because as I say, you may think it's crazy and you may say something where like, oh, that's, that's this. That's, yeah, this disease presents with this weird symptom all the time. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it could be like everyone is kind of looking at A, column A, and you, there's something in column B that you've not said of anything about yet that could make everyone go, oh, well, let's look at column B now. Right. Because this could, this could be this, and these and these line up. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's it for today's episode. Um, I'm going to try to come back a little bit sooner than the last time. Now that things are starting to calm down. Um, for all of you guys that have been standing with us this whole time during our absence, thank you. We love you. Um, thank you, Bridget. You're awesome again. I love you. For On behalf of me and Blue and Gabe and Todd and everybody else who has been on the show, hopefully we'll have Deja back soon. 
um, to come on, and Michael said he's coming back too. So uh, don't forget to give to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash kccaffeine. Uh, go to the, we've got the Instagram, kc underscore caffeine. We've got email at kc underscore caffeine at gmail.com. Uh, go to the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash kccaffeine. There are all kinds of places where you can connect and talk to us, and we would love to hear from you. And on that note, you guys have a wonderful night and stay woke, folks.